2: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirectTV.com. Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirectTV. Terms and restrictions apply.
0: I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write this off. Hello and welcome to Two Stars, the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. Every week we get together to discuss all the big news and notes from Trentside in the company of The Athletic's Reds experts. This week we're looking back on the stalemate against Watford as well as the defeat to Swansea. We'll preview the upcoming games at Reading and Norwich and discuss Daniel Taylor's big piece on the state of the club. Available for free wherever you get your pods and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Two Stars. Welcome along then, listener. Whether you're a first-time listener or you've been with us from the start, we're very pleased to have you your company. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined by The Athletic's Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor. Hi, Paul.
3: Good afternoon. How are we doing? Yeah, all right, thank you. Also on board, the one and only Nick Miller. How are you doing, Nick? I'm all right. I'm all right, the one and only. That was, I'm, I'm looking for sort of more and more kind of ebullient and enthusiastic uh, <laughs> descriptions of me every week. So you, you're, you're scaling up. I like it.
0: It made me think of Chesney Hawks, which was actually the first gig that I ever went to. Um, oh, nice. Oh, no, nice. Where was that? Yeah, not good. It was at the concert hall. Yeah. Of all the office.
2: questions you could have asked about that, where it was, was would not have been <laughs> top of my list. Yeah, I don't
3: know. I don't know. I just I, I thought it would be nice for us to, you know, I, I haven't lived in Nottingham for a long time, so I just thought it might be nice to kind of wistfully remember some of the places I used to go there. <laughs>
0: For clarity, it was like 30 years ago, not last week. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Forest played Watford on Wednesday. Their nickname is the Hornets. It means I'm contractually bound to ask you each for a couple of Forest players who share names with animals. Uh, Paul, what have you got? We're straight into this,
2: are we? Yeah. yeah. Uh, John O'Hare. Nice. Oh, nice I, yeah. I, I'm going to take Sam Basau as well. Just, yes, just, he's on my list. Liam Trotter is very much tenuous. <laughs> my most tenuous and my favourite so far is David Tarker, as in otters. I've got him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, there was Billy Cobb many years ago as well. Small horse. I didn't know that. And no. a, a few, a few pikes and peacocks. Yeah, there's loads of pikes, aren't
0: there? Horace, Arthur, and Harry. Um, Nick, did you have any of those?
3: Yeah, I had, I had uh, the uh, the both the peacocks, Dennis and Tom, of course. Uh, Carlos Marino. Oh, that's a good. One, that. Uh, Danny Fox, obviously. Here's uh, his, here's one that uh, is a bit of a stretch. Chris Doig only really works if you're a character from The Sopranos, I suppose, if you're in the pronunciation of that one. Mm, no, always, no, I'm not afraid. No? No, come no, <laughs> on. Oh, what have you got, then?
0: I've I got, thought got was tenuous. <laughs> I've got Tony Woodcock. Oh, yes. James Perch. Yeah. Oh. A memorable player from 1909 to 1910, Burt Badger. There was a badger. I looked for a badger. I couldn't find a badger. <laughs> uh, uh, I've also got Barry Roach. Oh, oh, I yeah, missed yeah. all the fish. And one from the current day to finish, Will Swan. Of course. All right. That, See, I thought I'd done, done quite well
2: though now I, now I feel like I've failed completely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely not a waste of an hour for me yesterday just looking up forest players who might have the name of an animal. Um, okay, let's get to the two games that have happened since we last met. So we spoke last week about Forrest's daunting run of fixtures over the next few weeks. Well, on Saturday, the Reds went down 1-0 at home to Swansea before Wednesday's stalemate against Watford. Watford, the most recent game, so we'll focus on that. We'll look out for patterns from both matches. Um, Paul, you were on hand for both. It felt like Watford was a a much better performance than Swansea, even though there were still no goals.
2: Yeah, it was a strange one. We'd we'd actually gone into the game with this idea of of looking at Forrest's lack of goals and and perhaps doing a piece on that. And as it turned out, uh, you know, that lack of goals continued to be one of the most salient issues but at the same time it was a much much better performance you, you, forrest didn't often look like they were going to score but against a very good watford side with a lot of quality and a lot of premier league experience and uh, you know let's let's be honest a team that's probably going to win promotion back into the premier league they, they never gave them a sniff they never gave them a sight of goal they defended really solidly there was a a level of character and determination there in the Forest side that had been missing previously. I think Joe Worrell made a difference on that front. He came and was a real leader in the centre of defence, and it went it went from being a side that created loads of loads of chances and 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 didn't make the most of them to being one that that didn't perhaps create as much last night, if we're honest. But but still, somehow, you kind of ended the game and thought, yeah, they they've done all right there. They've defended well. They never looked like losing the game. And and I think that level of character they showed, without labouring the point too much, I think that was a real big positive, because in the previous two games, for the first time, you started to ask yourself just a little bit, not not massively, but just a little bit, whether there was that character and leadership in the side. And, and I think they showed last night, or, or answered any doubts, at least, that, uh, you know, that there is that character there. And hopefully, if they can continue to have that as a base to build on, then, you know, going into two very difficult games, they can at least be a little bit more positive than they might have been uh, just a week or so ago. Nick, it felt like Joe Worrell really epitomised the character that, that Paul was talking about.
0: We've spoken before about players getting better in their absence, but to say he hadn't played in so long, I thought it was a
3: really assured performance from him and with the captain's armband on. Yeah, he just kind of slotted in as if he'd never been away. And I mean, the uh, w- one thing I thought was quite interesting. Uh, not only was was Joe Wall very, uh, very good, very solid, pretty much what you expect from him. I thought Tobias Figueroa was much better last night. Uh, than, certainly than he was um, at the weekend and kind of um, for for the last for the last few months. Really, he he sort of he he, he looked. He played on Sunday as if he'd been hit over the head with a plank of wood. I don't know whether he was because kind of thrown by the early kickoff time and was just a bit groggy. But then, but last night he looked much more assured, and I wondered if, um, I mean, you know, obviously Scott McKenna's been been pretty good, but I just wondered if uh, he Figueroa is one of those players who, you know, does his best work when he's got someone he's com- really comfortable with next to him. So, I mean, there was always a thing about Steve Chettle. Uh, Years and years ago, he was pretty good when he had you know Colin Cooper or Des Walker next to him, someone he felt a bit more kind of um, I don't know uh, reassured with. But sticking with Carl Tyler when he was he was a little bit more (laughs) shaky. So you know I'm not um, being as cruel as to to say uh, Scott McKenna is Carl Tyler, but I wonder (laughs) if Figueredo is one of those players who is just who you know is a sort of partnership player. He plays much better when he's got someone he's comfortable with next to him.
0: As Nick mentioned there, Paul, um, no Scott McKenna against Watford, but apparently not, not too serious a problem. Jack Colback though, might be out for a while.
2: Uh, yeah, they both got ankle injuries. Uh, McKenna, they they kind of monitored him right up to kick-off to see if he could play or not. And it, it, it was touch and go in the end. Whether he did, I think they just decided to be cautious, but he could even be available uh, for the game at Reading, apparently. We'll see on that one. I don't know whether you'd be wanting to change it with the two having played so well. But, yeah, not so good news on, on Jack Colback, who sustained quite a, a bad ankle injury by the sounds of it and could be out for a couple of weeks uh, whilst he recovers. And, you know, uh, let's not get onto the subject of bad refereeing, but, you know, that that, <laughs> that was a theme that was maintained last night as well. Uh, yeah, the, Jack Colback's a strange one. I mean, I know he's had a... a I wouldn't say a difficult start to the season, but for some reason he's been one of those players that's had the finger of blame pointed at him. When things aren't going well, it's human nature to to find somebody to blame for that. And Tobias Figueiredo being one, uh, and I agree with what Nick said about him being better with Worrell alongside him, he 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 probably benefited from Worrell's vocal leadership as much as anything. I think, well, I kind of know Joe Worrell kind of constantly orders him around throughout the game because you can hear it. Uh, if he wasn't shouting, Toby, he was shouting Cafu or Yatesy. Uh, he, he just never shut up through the game, but that, that was a real positive. Uh, Colbach's another one that's had criticism, but I, I think he's he's a victim of being judged for something he isn't rather than something he is. He is just neat and tidy, sensible, unspectacular, toils and gets the job done. I, I think he's often judged for being uh, for not being more attack-minded when he's not actually in the side to do that. But uh, either way, the the midfield if we're entirely honest, looked a bit better without him last night. Without Coleback, Nick, but with Cafu, um, the lesser spotted, how do you think he did
0: on
3: his first start? Yeah, he was pretty good. I mean, he was sort of sold to us as a this kind of defensive midfielder of, you know, another another in the kind of stockpile of um, solid defensive midfielders in the first squad. But he, he kind of looked pretty purposeful. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily trust him to... Score score any goals particularly he doesn't look look like he has a particularly you know, finessed finish but um, you know he was he's pretty busy put himself about a bit I mean I know these are all kind of, um, sort of they they can't sound like backhanded compliments but he you know he him and Ryan Yates in midfield they um, they were you know pretty lively he I I was sort of fascinated by his running style I can't. I I don't really know how to explain this, or I can't really expand on it any further. But to me, he didn't look like he he didn't look like he runs like a footballer. And I I don't I don't really know what he runs like or what kind of athlete he runs like. But it, I don't know there was just there's something about his gait that that uh, either reminds me of someone or just doesn't look like a footballer. Something was bothering me, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And it might take a few more games watching him to really kind of figure out what it is that's getting to me about him it you know it might be nothing it might just be nonsense but um yeah there was, there was something distracting about his, his um his running style and gate
0: well it being modern day Forrest, he'll either play every game for the rest of the season or we'll never see him again um before we move on from these two games after Swansea Paul Chris Hewton told you he wanted to add some players in January uh 14 signings in the summer not quite enough he's gonna have to to get some out before he can get some in isn't he?
2: Yeah, I mean, that that was his underlying message, to be fair. Uh, it, it's easy to react and right to react with a little bit of startled bewilderment when, when a manager talks about signing more players when they've already signed 14 in the summer. But it came with a couple of massive caveats, those being that he was probably only talking about two or three new signings just to add to... Uh, Add a bit of his stamp on things, if you like, his influence. Because there's only, I think there's only art that's signed after he'd arrived as manager. So of the 14 new signings, he's really only had a say in one of them. Uh. And the other major caveat was very much the acknowledgement that if he were to bring in new signings, some would very much have to go. The the, the squad is too big. There's going to be players who aren't in a 25-man squad in the second half of the season. Uh, and it's very, very obvious that whatever happens in January, whether they bring in players or not, they could do with getting rid of two or three players just to, to get rid of this, this slightly too bloated group of players where, there's going to be men who are paid for doing nothing and and that's an awful waste and probably indicative of the slightly hodgepodge recruitment plan, if you want to call it a plan, that that's happened at the club since the summer. But yeah, I can kind of understand what Hughton's message was. He just wants to put his stamp on things. He wants to mould the team a little bit more in his image. And I'll be honest, it's not overtly evident where he would want to strengthen. They've got good options up front in midfield. They've got... You know, seven or eight players who could do a job in different ways. Defensively, they're they're strong enough. They've got all the fullbacks possible. Uh, You know, where he wants to strengthen is a different matter, but we'll we'll see. Uh, I suspect the harder part will be moving players out the door because the players that you would naturally want to move on aren't going to be players that uh, people are going to be queuing up to, to want to take.
0: Yeah, that's it, isn't it, Nick? You you want to get rid of Zach Clough? Well, the last two or three managers have wanted to do that as well. You want somebody to take on Carl Jenkinson's wages. That's probably not going to happen.
3: Yeah, I mean, can kind I of interest anyone in a Michael Heffelay, nearly new? <laughs> um, yeah, I, the, in terms of plays going out, I, I don't know. I wondered whether there was any prospect of... Um, well, I mean, I, I the, the, the two areas that uh, that I thought might... Uh, he might be talking about like Paul. The, uh, you know, the, nothing immediately obvious sprang to mind. But the only two I thought were um, a, a little bit more pace on the wings. Maybe someone. Obviously, Hewton was quite keen to get um, Schrodinger's footballer Kamil Grzycki <laughs> in, in uh, which didn't happen for various reasons. So m- you know, maybe that will be revived in January. Um, someone, or, or, or if not him, someone similar to him. And the other, the other thing is that there isn't there isn't really a kind sort of obvious number 10 in, in the squad or, um, I mean, apart from maybe Miguel Guerrero, who we obviously talked about a couple of weeks ago, who's played pretty well there. But um, otherwise... Luke Freeman as well. Well, yeah, th- th- this is the thing. I mean, I, I wonder whether, um, you know, Luke Freeman hasn't, he obviously hasn't played very well in the few chances he's been given. I wonder whether um, there would be any possibility of kind of, if, you know, if Huyden decides he doesn't fancy him one of the thing, places you could get rid of is trying to send Luke Freeman back. Um, Obviously he's only on loan. He's only on on loan for the season, isn't he? I mean, that could be someone who could possibly go. um, And, you know, uh, apart from, uh, Guerrero, Freeman have been a, a few, a couple of sort of
2: slightly less successful experiments
3: um, in that
2: spot. I wonder if Graben could play there when he comes back. I know he's done that in the past, and everyone thinks of him as being a overt, out and out goalscorer, and he, he very much is that. But he's he's somebody who's got that bit of nous and and guile to to play in that number ten role, and it'd be a, a decent way of getting him and and Lyle Taylor into the same starting eleven without having to revert back to playing a four four two, which never seems to work that's interesting Yeah, I
3: hadn't, I hadn't considered that but his, his link up play
2: is very kind of
3: is, is quite underrated he, he, you sort of yeah I, you would be I'd be slightly kind of um, cautious about putting him in there because he's one of those players who when he's not on form he's a bit of a you know he's, he doesn't really offer a, a huge amount but um, but I suppose you know his as I said his touch and link up play could be quite useful there um but yeah, I mean, unless anyone has any sort of better suggestions for, for areas of the team that, that could be improved, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm still not enormously convinced by uh, Cyrus Christie, but I don't think necessarily, we, you know, we've, we've already got, we've got a few right backs, so, um, you know, I, I don't think. <laughs> don't that, need another yeah, one. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that I don't think there'll be much scope for bringing in, uh, just uh, being, you know, getting another one in. Um but yeah, I, I, I other, other than as I said, number ten and a bit of pace on the wing, I can't, I can't really think of an obvious place in the team that is likely to be strengthened.
2: I, I get the impression as well that from talk to Chris Hughton that he's, he's toying with the idea of bringing back Brennan Johnson as well. He's, he, he's kind of said that he's watched him a few times and uh, has been really impressed by what he's doing at at Lincoln and. You know, if it, it was a little bit of a surprise when they let him out on loan because it felt like he was on the cusp of being in the first team here. I can understand why they wanted to get him some experience and get him some matches under his belt, and hopefully it'll work in the same way as it did with with the likes of Joe Worrell and Ryan Yates and Matty Cash, who all went out on loan in the lower divisions and and benefited greatly from it. But I, I wonder if in January that situation might change and he might come back as well. He's he's not naturally a, a number ten either; he's more of a number eight, but he could be somebody else who 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 adds a bit of another option and a little bit of somebody different as well even with all the options they've got he's a bit different again and I, I really like him I think he could make an impact so I'd be interested to see that if it does happen.
3: That's one of the frustrations with sort of bringing in so many players I mean I know fans will always say I'll oh, get you know let's throw the kids in let's, uh, let's see what these homegrown players are like but as you say Johnson did he'd had a sort of a few guys in the first team he did seem like he was on the cusp of um of you know breaking through, so it, it was an, uh, just another frustration that you that Forrest then signed, you know four midfielders in the summer or ho- or however many that came in. Um, so you know who, 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 I'm not I'm not really sure of the the sort of loan arrangement with Lincoln whether we whether we can recall him in January, but um, but if we they, can, they can. A, yeah, well, it, um, I'd certainly be up for that if um, if it's possible.
0: Well, whatever happens in January, surely it's not going to be as bad as last year. Uh, Dama Carbe and uh, Nuno de Costa, I'm talking to you. Right, OK, <laughs> Forrest continued their run of games against teams who are doing far better than the Reds. Uh, we'll look ahead to the trips to the Madstad and Caro Road next.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover,
2: The first time I interviewed Neymar, he was 14.
1: He was pretty much famous approaching household name status before he'd even played for the Santos' first team.
3: Barca should have been better prepared. They really did not have a contingency plan for if Neymar were to leave. You had the French president, Emmanuel Macron, calling it really good news on the day. Without selling Coutinho for that amount of money, Liverpool's recent history would be very, very different. But
0: then again, Neymar changed the whole dynamic. I'm Adam Leventhal and this is Beyond the Headline, Neymar, the transfer that changed the world. Over the next three episodes we will explore Neymar's 222 million Euro move from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, a transfer that changed the game not only because it more than doubled the world transfer record, but explain how the ripple effects made it arguably the most significant transfer in the history of the game. That's Beyond the Headline, available wherever you get your podcasts or get it ad free via the Athletic app. So it's Reading on Saturday for Forest. Um, Paul, hopefully there's no Reading fans listening. It'd be weird if there was. Is this the most uninspiring <laughs> football stadium in England?
2: Oh, yes, yes, without doubt. It really is. The. The only saving grace there used to be that the food was good and even now that's going to be taken from us because there is no food in, in these COVID times. Uh, they used to be sponsored by Waitrose and they'd put in this massive kind of Waitrose buffet that was the, one of the highlights of the season. Now uh, th- there's not a lot to inspire you about going to Reading because it's a lot further than you think. They're probably a bit better than you think and and forests tend to have a pretty miserable time there. So yeah you're exactly right. It, it's not one of the the trips on the calendar that you circle and think, "Yay, let's go to Reading." Uh, <laughs> if if they could if they could come back with a point or even all three, I would be a very happy camper indeed. But the twelve thirty kickoff as well, please come on. What time I'm going to have to leave at the crack of dawn? It's still all right, be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for for once, I absolutely agree with him. It's a farce. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot
3: to. Not a lot to recommend, to Nurejewski. Really, it's an absolute ball ache to get to, whether you you know, um, particularly on public transport.
0: That's it, isn't it? If you get if you get the train, you have to then get a bus out to a really faceless industrial park, and you end up at this kind of flat pack IKEA stadium, and it's all just a bit meh.
3: Yeah, that's 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 half a stadium, half a kind of mid range hotel, which is. I mean, you don't want to get two proper football man here, but it's not—it's not the kind of winding through the streets and you turn the corner and you see the gleaming floodlights, is it? It's not—it's not really. Well. And it's when you get in there, it's a pretty sterile atmosphere as well. So, not—not uh,
2: not particularly envying you having to go there, Paul. But there will be fans back, so maybe that would change it. Just having some fans back in the stadium would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, and it never seems full that ground
0: anyway, so it probably won't be um, much different. <laughs> yeah, that,
2: that was the joke during the round, wasn't it? You know, Reading allowed all their season ticket holders back in. Is that really fair? <laughs> uh, they're a strange team, Nick, this
0: season. I can't really get a handle on them. They had an incredible start and it's kind of fallen away a bit. And then midweek, they drew away at Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday down the bottom of the table, and they played most of the game with 10 men. So I can't really get a steer on, on how things are going to go on Saturday other than the fact that Forrest haven't won there for five years.
3: Yeah, and uh, they they kind of beat Bristol City pretty handily at the weekend as well. Um, yeah, you know, very odd team. Uh, I think I've I mentioned on this pod before that they they had sort of ludicrous statistics in in as much as they uh, I, I I don't know whether they're still they still are, but f- certainly for the first few weeks of the season they were bottom of the table in terms of shots taken, and yet all those shots seemed to be going in, and they were winning all their games. Um, and then that seems familiar. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, and then then that sort of seemed to level out a bit and, you know, regress to the mean. Those taking, as it turns out, taking few, fewer shots doesn't, you know, does not conducive to scoring goals and they start losing games. But now they've, they've picked up again. They're, um, I think their manager, um, uh, Velko Panovic is quite a, an interesting character. If you kind of um, uh, read up a little bit about his time in, in America, he had some um, quite... Unconventional motivational tactics. So, um, you know, it's it's difficult to see whether he has kind of imposed that necessarily in the what third of a season we've had so far. But yeah, like you, I can't really can't really get a handle on them. You with a lot of most clubs in the championship, you kind of pretty much know what you're getting. But Reading, no idea at the moment.
0: So after Reading, it's Norwich on Wednesday. did think that they were a bit of an easier team to read until they went and lost reasonably heavily at Luton on Wednesday night, which was one that we didn't see coming. Aside from that, though, Paul, they look pretty well placed to to challenge again, it seems.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think they were one of the teams you would have highlighted as being potential promotion contenders uh, at the start of the season. And, you know, I just... Without being too miserable, you just hope it's a better experience than their last visit there, which all ended up being a bit of a, a bit of a dismal comedy, you know, with the Gil Diaz substitute appearance of, of the decade. How uh, how they didn't win that game is still beyond me, but the the drama that unfolded afterwards, with you know having having conceded two goals in injury time to go from a three one lead to a three three draw, we were we were kind of briefed very strongly that that Ito would be on his way. Uh, as it turned out, that was. A long-running saga that would last another couple of weeks before he did eventually depart. But the, the the feeling was after that game that they were so annoyed and so frankly pissed off with the way that the game had uh, unfolded in the final stages that he was done. That that's where the I mean it feels like there's been plenty of drama since then, as as I'm sure Danny's piece will reflect. But let's just hope it's a, a more a less dramatic and more satisfying evening than than our last visit there. Yeah, it was Boxing Day twenty eighteen. Forrest
0: were three 0 up with thirteen minutes left and somehow transpired to draw the game three three. I'd almost take that now, Nick, because it would mean that Forest had scored goals and three of them in <laughs> one game.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um yes, yeah, so I was uh I was in the uh the Wheat Sheaf pub in my hometown of Bingham. Um um, where Roy Keane which, famously got barred from all those years ago oh yeah of course yeah um which uh, that was why I was there it was a, it was a pilgrimage um taking my <laughs> off to, to see the famous place but yeah we were having uh, I, I seem to remember having a quite we were having quite an intense conversation about living arrangements and where we were uh, we were we were getting kicked out of the house we were renting and we, we were trying to find somewhere else and um uh, you know it was all it was all pretty fraught and uh, I just remember looking at my phone and thinking well all right forest three up at least that's something else something I don't have to worry about um this 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 this, this situation isn't great but um you know at least forest have got a, a, an excellent away win on boxing day Turn the phone over about 15 minutes later and the world came crashing down around my ears. So <laughs> less of that, please, Forrest. That one is quarter
0: to eight on Wednesday evening. Okay, next we'll talk about Danny Taylor's big piece
1: on the state of forest. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to Michelob slash courtside to learn more.
2: Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
0: Now then, athletic subscribers will, I'm sure, have read with great interest, friend of the show, Daniel Taylor's piece that went up on the site this week, entitled Trying to Manage Marianakis' Nottingham Forest. Uh, A couple of key points from the piece for those who missed it. Nick, what really stood out for you?
3: Well, I mean, a few things that... um, I mean, the the kind of general sense was that there um, is, you know, seemed to be a bit of a bad atmosphere at the club and um, in the stadium and at the training ground, um, there's uh, quite an extensive bit about Itor Karanka's relationship with uh, Ernest Vrensos, there's one bit in particular that uh, stood out where uh, Roy Keane, uh, according to Daniel, rang Nicholas Randall to express his views about the, how the club was run after Martin O'Neill was sacked, which is um, an absolutely terrifying prospect um and also can you imagine him saying yeah i want to express my views to you about the way the club is run i, I feel like he probably worded it a bit differently yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean i i was being, trying to be delicate about that there but um <laughs> Christ him! If if Roy Keane rang you and uh, you know, it sounded like he was taking a long run up for something like that, you'd change your phone number and go and live in a cave somewhere. Wouldn't you? <laughs> um, the other thing that the interesting thing that, that kind of stood out was that um, apparently Sam Allardyce, Nigel Pearson, and Eddie Howe and uh, an unnamed manager of another Championship club were interested in the job when um, when Houghton was appointed. But yeah, I, I mean the, the 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 easiest thing to do is for to, for people to kind of read the piece. Uh, as a whole, because it'll it'll you know, go into the details of um, of things that are have been happening, uh, are happening at the club much more in you know much more detail than we will be able to hear. But yeah, it's an interesting read. It, it does, of course, sort of uh, mention that, that there are uh, many kind of positive uh, elements of the the current regime, but it also uh, highlights where um, expectations have perhaps not been met in some areas.
0: Yeah, here's a, a tweet from AD who asks, is there any real difference to Marinakis from Fawaz or are we just in are we just in for more years of frustration? Well, we might well be in for more years of frustration. But even though there's some pretty explosive stuff in the piece that doesn't reflect well on the owners or the club, I think it's important to say that this is not a Fowler situation. You know, we're not getting St John's ambulance not being paid on time and, and HMRC knocking on the club's door every month like we were then.
3: Yeah, you know, credit cards being turned down at hotels, that kind of thing. That stuff is not happening anymore. That they, they they certainly do um, seem to be more sort of Coherent and cogent um, custodians of a club. Keep in mind that they are better than uh, the previous regime, which admittedly is quite a low bar. But they that uh, that the, while some of us might have thought when they came in that you know everything was going to be sweetness and light, there are still some problems to be under, ironed out. As um, you know, as is possibly clear from the uh, performance of the team in the in the, the last few years. Um, But yeah, thoroughly recommend reading the piece. Um, It's available now on The Athletic. Yeah, and
0: remember, to celebrate Black Friday week, we've been giving you the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for our best ever price. It's just £1 a month for a full 12 months and you can cancel at any time, so you can access all of The Athletic all year long, including all of our podcasts ad-free. We'll bring you Unrivaled Reds coverage for an unbeatable price and we won't be running a better deal anytime soon. This offer runs until the 4th of December, so act fast and don't miss out. Go to the athletic.com slash forestpod that's the athletic.com slash forestpod and pay just £1 a month for 12 months this offer it's for new subscribers only let's add some levity to proceedings before we go shall we last stop for us today a special edition of they played for forest okay we're slightly changing the format for this this week nick you're going to give us some clues and paul and i have to guess who you're talking about i'm excited
3: yeah so I've got I've got five pieces of information about the um he played for Forest um player um I'm going to play kind of Henry Kelly uh, uh one for the kids there <laughs> I'm not going to try and do the accent that would um possibly lose some listeners so I'm just going to give you I I think I think these pieces of information are sort of in ascending or uh, descending order sorry, in terms of difficulty so uh, if, if anyone wants to buzz in, if they think they know who it is at any stage then uh, then go for it um, Okay the first one I made my first appearance for a Premier League club alongside David Platt and I made my final appearance for a Premier League club alongside Wes Morgan Nothing from me Paul, how about you? I've got nothing <laughs> Clue two okay. there please I scored a goal at a World Cup Mm. Not Andy M. P. No. My Nottingham Forest career lasted for 85 minutes. Oh. Is it Matt Upson? It's Matt Upson. Yes. <laughs> Great
0: job. Well done indeed, Matt. Got injured on his debut, didn't he? He was He was in yes. that cluster of players that Platt signed, like Ian Wright, sort of Premier League Mainstays-ish, maybe he wasn't at that time, but it was the it was the John Terry and Wright kind of era, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I remember being. Uh quite excited about uh, him coming in with he was he was at Arsenal at the time. I think he'd just come back from a kind of relatively serious injury, so he was kind of sent out on loan to, you know, get some experience and some fitness and probably got injured in his first game and was never was never uh, never heard of again. Um the other two pieces of information I had just for the completists, I have a Premier League winners medal from the 2001-02 season. and my other clubs included Birmingham, West Ham and Stoke City.
0: I'm just looking at his record on soccer base um yeah, he was there from the 8th of December 2000 to the 20th of December 2000.
3: It's not, it's great, not that they it? gave him nearly two weeks to just kind of figure out, <laughs> are, are you gonna? Are we going to bother with this? Nah, no, nah, suck it. Come on. Let's get, let's get <laughs> send back.
0: All right, that's just about it
2: for this week. Paul, what have you got up on The Athletic for Forest fans to enjoy? <laughs> I feel a bit of a fraud now, having raved on about Brennan Johnson because over the weekend, there'll be a nice interview with Brennan Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that's not you being a fraud. That is good planning.
3: <laughs> yes. Um, Nick, do you want to give another push for your Introducing Neymar podcast series? Uh, it's called Beyond the Headline, Neymar the Transfer that Changed the World. It's about um, Neymar's transfer to PSG and the various ripple effects where you, um, you talk about how the transfer actually happened, um, how it kind of basically led to Liverpool being able to win the league, the Champions League and the World Club Cup and how it contributed to the current state of chaos at uh, Barcelona. So, yeah, it's available uh, as all Athletic podcasts, ad-free on The Athletic, or wherever you uh, prefer to get your podcasts. And that's beyond the headline, Neymar, the transfer that changed the world.
0: Good of him to score at Old Trafford this week, wasn't it? Just just to help keep him in the headlines and, and push the podcast a little bit more. You know, he's often thought of as quite a selfish player, but that was quite a selfless act.
3: Yeah, that, that was very much in the kind of promotion plan. We had we you know kind of you know some nice uh, nice social media graphics and uh, you know doing a few Q and As and pushing it various places. And we did get in touch with the big man himself, who uh, knocked in a couple to to help promote the podcast. So thank you, Neymar. All right, many thanks to Nick and to Paul and to producer Adonis, but mainly to you, listeners. Stay safe. We'll catch
0: up with you again see.